0: What is up everybody? Welcome to Comic Book Club. I'm Alex. I'm
1: Justin.
0: I'm Pete. And we're coming to you live from a couple places on the internet. We're live over on Facebook and YouTube and Twitch and Twitter. Maybe you're listening to this later on Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. It's all good. Mm. And guys, we have a great show for you
1: tonight. <laughs> oh, yeah. Very we excited got a good about one. this. We got a fresh one.
0: Yeah, we got a banger. We got a banger coming your way, right? That's what people say.
1: Yep. Uh, yeah, that sounds really natural coming out of your mouth. <laughs> sounds really good. Oh, cool. Uh, Thanks, guys. This is going to be baller, I
0: think. <laughs> mm, mm. We're really going to heat it up tonight. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. (laughs) All right. Well, why don't we get into it? Because we have some amazing guests for you. And we're going to start it off right here. He is the creator of the new book, Blackula, Return of the King. Yeah. A ton of other things that we love. Rondi Barnes, everybody. Hello, Rondi. Hey, hey. Woo. Hello. 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 Rondi, so excited to chat with you about all of this stuff. Uh, There are a bunch of books you've been creating that we've been absolutely loving. But I want to kick it off with a new one first. Blackula, Return of the King, or rather the kind of new one. It came out in January, I think. Is yes. that right? Yes. Came out okay. Uh, well, this I, I've read a bit of this book, and it is an absolutely wild reinvention of Blackula. Where did yeah. Where did the initial gerb of the idea to try to tackle this come from?
2: When I was nine years old, um, my mother took me to a double feature of Blackula oh, nice. and Scream. Blackula Scream. Um, and up until that point, I'd never seen like, um, I don't know if you call Prince Mama Walde, a.k.a. Blackula, a protagonist or an antagonist, because he's sort of like an anti-hero in a weird kind of way
3: Mm -hmm.
2: but uh, I'd never seen like a character of color sort of driving a horror film. I loved the Hammer films as a kid um, Mm. and I loved the Universal Monsters, but We never showed up, uh, unless it was for a second. And so uh I see this movie and I fall in love with it and the audience's reaction to it. And this was during a period of time where people would talk to the screen and throw popcorn at the screen and we're very engaged. So all of
1: that never happens now.
2: Yeah, yeah. (laughs) We don't go to the movies anymore. So yeah, but uh unless it's a Marvel movie. But um so I uh I fell in love with it, and then over the years, as I got older, I started to see the more problematic, just uh, elements of black exploitation, um, the lack of of a budget that they had. I just started to see the holes. And right. so, as a budding novice wannabe writer, I said, "If I ever got an opportunity to sort of revisit this, what would I do?" And it always struck me. It was kind of weird to me that in the first 10 minutes of the movie, spoiler alert, Dracula turns Prince Mama Waldy into a vampire. And then we never mentioned Dracula ever again. He just kind of <laughs> goes away. Get out and I was of like, here. you know, you have two movies now, and he never talks about Dracula, be a pissed at Dracula or anything about Dracula. Why wouldn't he go after the guy that sort of ruined his life and, you know, changed the course and trajectory of his life? And, um, That, to me, seemed like good fodder for a story.
0: Well, so what was it like then taking this and translating this into a comic book? I mean, obviously, we've seen vampires in comic books before, Ah. but you're taking something that was on the screen and Mm -hmm. moving it into a very different art form.
2: Expensive. Um <laughs> that's the word that comes to mind. Uh are you talking about the literary rights or are you talking about the actual doing of the thing?
0: I mean I guess a little bit of both, just in terms of the process of taking something like that and adapting the property.
2: Yeah, I was uh I happened to be talking to Alana Mayo, who's the president of Orion Pictures, who was a um she used to run Michael B. Jordan's company, Outlier Society. And I was writing a movie for them and a monster movie for them in New Regency. And just happened to start talking about Blackula and it was one of those things where the movie had been in development at various times over the last 20 years and is still in development right now but i had this idea and i told her i had you know i write comic books and i'd love to be able to adapt this in some way but have no idea how i I'd go about getting the rights and she said let me look into it and within like a week she had cut through a lot of the red tape and a Ryan is sort of connected to MGM and gotten the rights for me and uh, worked about, worked everything out and um, started thinking about the story and more of a, uh, okay, now it's gone from theory to this could possibly happen. What exactly do I want to do? And the first thing was the look of the book. I think you needed a bridge from the 70s exploitation idea of what Blackula was to a modern day idea and look. And then it, dis- it was... Trying to factor in what do you keep from that era and what do you sort of modernize? Mm-hmm. And I always liked the uh, William Marshall, uh, late great William Marshall, who played Prince Mama Waldy in the movie, um, always thought he approached, he was the best thing about the movie because he took it so seriously. It was almost like Bella Lugosi in a way, the way he yeah. approached Dracula. And I was like, all right, the way that he spoke you know, he was so eloquent with the way that he talked and he was a Shakespearean actor and he had done Othello on Broadway. And I wanted to write a book that sort of was an homage to him as well and the way he approached the character. And then also trying to be empathetic to the idea of uh, a vampire that woke up 50 years later from the movies to a world that moves a lot faster um, with technology, um, its sensibilities are different. Um, You know, and factoring all of that into a larger idea than just a guy who kind of ran around the hood fighting people. Um, And then the next thing was, who was the best person to sort of uh, art-wise partner with? And Jason, Sean Alexander and I partnered on uh, Philadelphia for 30 issues. And we both know each other really, really well. And so then it was a matter of convincing him to find time between all of his various projects to come in and, um, do the art. And I think he did a fantastic job and, um, the rest is history. Yeah. It's really
1: great. Uh, and I, I, I it's interesting to me that you're talking about sort of taking the Blackula time period moving forward, because I also think you sort of look back, like mm-hmm. the last page or two really feels like it's referencing like Nosferatu even yeah. it feels like you're taking in all of sort of, uh, vampire cinema in a way
2: yeah i wanted to i didn't want to limit a lot of times you know movies like this movies like blackula they sort of segregate themselves uh in the way that they're presented and i wanted to bring blackula into not just the modern world but also the modern idea of he's part of a mythology that goes beyond just him there is a Nosferatu. there is you know, in the Bram Stoker book, uh, Dracula was a devil worshiper. And there was so much more to the idea of being a vampire than just sucking blood, you know. (laughs) And so how to broaden his world, both uh, intrinsically and extrinsically, how do you take that and connect him to the larger idea of um, a bigger world?
1: Part of the canon, it feels like with vampires, there's like there's the Canon, the the vampires and then there's mm-hmm. all the different sort of subgenres. And I feel like with this this book you're elevating Glacula to that like full-on canon.
2: Yeah, that was the goal. I mean uh in, again, the reverence that both Jason and I have for the character and just the mission of trying to take some characters like I said who were compartmentalized into a smaller idea and bring them into. A much larger mythology. Um, that was the goal.
3: Well, I think it uh, you you achieved it very much. So I mean, I love the the mix of art and idea here meet in this really amazing place. And what's great is the art not only kind of leans into the horror aspect, but the suspense, the the, the way that we're kind of off and running in this comic is such a great thing. You know, you, you were talked about the kind of the setup and the premise. And I feel like sometimes with a comic that can weigh it down a little bit, but the way it's just kind of like laid out and then we're kind of like off and running, it's just so exciting. As a reader, it really gets you excited for what's to come. Uh congratulations. It's such a it's such a cool look not not only looking book, but just like the whole premise the setup is just it gets you really excited for more
2: thank you very much i really appreciate that well i mean if on I that do. note
3: given that you're a couple of months
0: out from the release of the book uh, we actually had a comment here this is from a behind the scene rodney barnes has created a modern horror universe <laughs> and it's super dope is this in fact a kickoff in your mind of a modern horror universe is just is blackula just sort of the tip of the iceberg
1: it, and will uh, it be super dope, I guess?
2: <laughs> <laughs> that's the most important. It's already uh, super dope. That's, that's always a subjective um, you know, <laughs> idea. Uh, never I, When I get to the point where I'm praising myself, just shoot me. Somebody come back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's when I know it's over. I mean, I think uh, I would love to be able to do more with Black. You know, the character doesn't belong to me. I'm sort of leasing the character from MGM. So... Um, they sort of play into the idea of uh, where I can and can't. Everything I do have to ask permission for. So far, they've been fantastic partners. That said, you know, I would I love Monster Squad. I love uh, oh, yeah. the idea of what would Frankenstein and Blackula look like. What would you know the classic Lon Chaney idea of a wolfman? And you know what would those characters look like in a different setting? um in a modern world um you know it's this weird thing i think sometimes with uh, i remember when universal i had a meeting with universal and they were talking about sort of not ditching the classic monsters but they didn't know what to do with it because it's weird yeah. a lot of those monsters were created in a different time and tonally they fit the time that they were created in more so than today so you either make them um jump higher or move faster or, <laughs> you know, they run faster or whatever it is to sort of... Fit yeah,
1: we're not it. as scared of mummies as we used to. Exactly.
2: <laughs> you know, it's like anything yeah. that moves slow, you know, it's like, you know, you're not afraid of them in the same way. So I think trying to, you know, bring those characters into today's world and sensibilities really requires a lot of intrinsic work. Like you, you keep the classic stuff and the trauma that brought them into the idea that the creator had. And then you take modern day trauma and ideas and all of that, and you put it into their sensibilities. And so being able to sort of play with that world that I was so, all of this, uh, I guess the secret, I should let the secret out. I'm just reliving my
3: childhood.
2: Yeah, good for you. I like from the ages of eight to like 11, I'm trying to redo so that, you know, my inner child will grow up and somehow um, feel complete. (laughs) Nice. Uh,
0: Nice. Now, I did want to ask you not to take a pivot here, but I did want to talk about one of my absolute favorite books that's coming out right now. There's the fourth issue is coming out tomorrow, Monarch, uh, (laughs) which is phenomenal. So good. I'm almost hesitant to talk about anything about it in particular, because one of the absolute joys of reading the book is we read a lot of comic books on the show Mm -hmm. and the first issue you always get like you know there's a setup and there's a twist and after that twist at the end of the first issue you're off to the races you're like okay now i know what the premise is but at least the first three issues it feels like at the end of it it completely upends the premise of what the book is about every time out in a mind-blowing way how difficult is it to plot something like that out
2: it's incredibly difficult and yeah. with Philadelphia, it's the same thing you know jason yeah. uh we're talking about how um he has no idea where i'm going to go with the book um because i do this thing where when i'm sitting there and it feels like just a regular plot like i'm a television writer primarily that's where i started was in television and still i'm in television yeah. And I always hated TV shows where you knew exactly where everything was going. And it sort of had this rope kind of plot driven narrative where this thing happens, then that thing happens. And just like Alex, like you said, like there's this predictable methodology that, you know, people approach these stories from. And I wanted Philadelphia to be a character driven story to where you went inside of the character and hopefully you empathize with whatever the character is going through. And Monarch sort of has the same thing, except it's with kids. And a childlike sensibility, there's a degree of innocence in the face of danger. And so being able to jump around at different kids gives me the opportunity to sort of recreate the story and to start over again and give each kid their own stage to kind of operate from. And to me, it doesn't feel medicine-y or therapy when you're able to... Um, just completely uh, dive into how the kids are feeling and what they're going through and just try to imagine. And again, to use the word empathy, to be completely empathetic with what the kids are going through. Um, to me, that guides the plot, and that takes me in a different direction. So the character stuff is harder, but it sort of informs the plot stuff. That well,
1: makes. it feels like there's. it's almost event-based. At least these first few issues have been. Mm-hmm. like It's built around... And and when you're writing that way, do you sort of put the event together, almost like a diorama and everyone's on the board? And then you're like, okay, I'll switch perspectives or are you just flying by the seat of your pants?
2: Mm. Sometimes, if if, it's according to what real life is happening in my personal life. But yes, (laughs) primarily I look at, I create a set of characters and if a character is in a book, the character has a purpose. They're not just there to die or they're not just there to feed another characters, whatever. And I try to give each one of them a platform. You know, I try to give each mm-hmm. one of them, um, you know, a lot of times they're all aspects of myself, you know, fears, you know, the the virtues and the vices. And I try to um, build empathy the same way I'm trying to be empathetic with myself. I'm doing it with the characters as well. And so to figure out, to me, that helps me connect with people better slash characters, if that makes mm-hmm. sense.
0: Well, let me ask you about something that's almost the complete opposite of what we're talking here on Monarch. You're also, you've been writing the Mandalorian comic book, right? For Marvel, which that's a direct adaptation of Mm. each episode of the show and each issue. So, versus what you're saying, where you can upend the apple cart at the end of every issue here, you have the ahead. thing scripted out for you that you
2: apple the card is yeah, yeah the, that's, all the they're, apples are there I just they're got glued the, apples, together.
0: the apples are glued yes. it's already apple sauce man um yes. so well talk about the challenges with that because it sounds like the exact opposite it's thing
2: the easiest job in the world and the hardest job in the world at yeah. the same time. um the reason that relatively easy because it's more of you know once you've got you've already got the thing so once you have the thing And you've sort of been, um, you know, you have your marching orders of what you can and can't do. Um, You know, you're sort of in a place where, okay, I'm really just trying to figure out how to take something that's an hour and to make it 30 pages, which is a half hour and scripted television. And it's more of choosing what stays, what goes or how you're going to um, pacing is the biggest thing. You know, if you can pace it to make it feel like the same experience that you get from the TV show, that's the goal. You know, you don't want to focus on one thing too long. You want to be able to um, keep it moving, keep it moving, keep it moving. And really, the, the, the best part about it are the artists. You know, it's not really me. I try to create a map, but Georges, uh, Jante, and uh, all the other guys that have been a part of the process. They really are the key to what makes those things work. And uh, I got a couple more that I'm doing in the future. And I just love being a part of Star Wars world anyway. So, you know, it's kind of fun. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, one other, and I'm, I know I'm jumping
0: through conversational topics here, but uh, for those who are listening who may not know a little bit of your backstory, like you've been saying, you've been working in TV for a very long time, going all the way back to, very notably, The Boondocks is something that you worked very heavily on, which is awesome. Uh, yeah. Runaways, you worked on American Gods, which we love. Heels, one of my favorite recent shows. Winning Time on HBO, just about... like That's sort of like the top line, some of the stuff that you worked on. Um, obviously there's a big thing going down with writers right now with the WGA. They made some signs that they're kind of like, they're taking a walk. This I'm is surprised. a big deal for writers. Really it? Oh my God. Writers you are usually sitting here. down this time. They're standing up and that's the big and, deal. And right that now. feels oh different. My God. Yeah. Uh, uh, have you been, I mean, have you been on the picket lines? I went out there once.
2: Like? I'm going to go out again. Um, I've been kind of, uh, I have a knee thing. So it's like mm. moving around a lot has been an issue Um, football has come back to haunt me, but, uh, (laughs) but I'll be out there all next week. Yeah. I mean, it's, um, it's unfortunate, but one of those things that sort of comes about, uh, every three years where you look at the circumstances and I don't think we've ever gotten a great deal, you know, and you have so many things like AI coming in to play. You have writer's rooms being, um smaller than they've ever been you've got mini rooms where a lot of writers are being underpaid and their weeks shortened so that when you get a gig for nine weeks you don't know if you're going to work for the rest of the year you know and so you're sitting there waiting you can't take another job because they've got your rights um i've been in a couple really tricky situations where um i was in a i've been in one mini room where um uh, It was a 10 week room. They were paying me scale and I got an offer to do another show at my regular rate and I couldn't go and a show that was going to pay me for a year. And I had to stay on this show and the work was complete, but they had my rights. And I have had another show where it went three months over and they stopped paying me my regular wage and paid me scale. And there was nothing I could do, it was nothing my agents could do. And I was just kind of stuck in Toronto for um, three months. And so it's just one of those things where you can't do multiple things at a time, or it's tricky. It's, it's so many things as writers where you sort of, you're sort of in a position where you have to do so much for free before you ever get paid. And I don't know any other area of the business that operates in the same way being a writer in Hollywood does. And it's so essential to the actual making of television and film that you think we would be treated a little better. there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And coming off of I feel like the last deal um, during covid was one where it was like, we'll deal with it later. So this yes. was almost like two back to back fights where mm-hmm. we skipped a fight year. Uh So it's that's why it's such a heavy, heavy. Story. It is.
2: I think this one is going to go for a while. Um, I think we have no choice. I think a lot of the issues are the types of issues that are expensive and they prevent the industry from doing what I think it naturally wants to do, which is embrace it the way it wants to operate versus things that are in the writer's best interest.
0: Yeah. Uh, Before we let you go here, Rodney, I know we've talked through a bunch of different projects, but
2: anything else in particular you would like to plug? Um. Wow. So many things I'm not supposed to talk about, but. uh, (laughs)
4: Perfect. But you're going too fast.
2: Well, I'll do my best. A couple of books with The (laughs) Big Two, more books with Image, uh, more books with Zombie Love Studios, um, just a lot more books. I mean, I think anybody who is in the world of comics, we do it because we love it. And, you know, for me, That's basically what it was. I started reading comics when I was five years old and was a huge Neil Adams fan. And then sort of evolved as and he did a cover for us for Philadelphia. And, um, you know, just being able to, again, revisit my childhood and something that I really, really loved is an honor. And so I love being in the space and being part of the community.
0: Uh, We do have one quick question for you here from the comments Uh before we let you go. This is from Derek Mainhart. Love Nidaha's Nightmare Blog, another book with a cool 70s feel. Any chance we'll see more?
2: You will. Uh, She's in Philadelphia right now. She is part of the regular, the main Philadelphia book. And, you know, when things sort of settle down because there's this big thing going on in Philadelphia right now, um, once all of that sort of shakes itself free, you probably will see. The odds are you'll see Nita again at home. Right.
0: Awesome. Rodney, thank you so much for coming on. We've been loving your stuff. Can't wait. Thank, thank you for, for all
2: your work. Thank you
3: for all your you, work Rodney. and everything you do. We really appreciate it, man. It's amazing. Good luck, luck out team. there in the
1: picket with your knee. Yeah. Easy. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. It's
3: a knee brace like Joel Embiid.
1: I'll go out
2: there and fight. Yeah, yeah exactly.
0: <laughs> awesome. Have a great night, Rodney.
2: Thanks, guys. You too. Take it easy. I appreciate you having me. Yeah. I bet. Know, anytime.
0: An all right, there we go. Once again, that's Rodney Barnes. You can check out Blackula Return of the King at bookstores everywhere right now. Also, you can do other stuff we mentioned, Killadelphia, amazing ongoing series, yeah. Monarch, fourth issue hits tomorrow. It's awesome as well. And the Mandalorian Marvel comic is coming out now, among other stuff. Why don't we bring in our next guest? Very excited <laughs> to have them here as well. Ladies and gentlemen, Brian Michael Bendis and Michael Avon Oming. Hello. Hey, hey. Yay. Guys, Hello. so excited so excited to see you, so excited to see both of you, and so excited that you're both working together yeah. again. I know that hasn't
4: exactly stopped, but it's yeah, always good. It, to I, see. Behind the scenes there's been no no break, but we'll we'll gladly lean into the false drama of the reuniting. <laughs> okay, what a reunion. It's like a reunion <laughs> tour.
1: Back together again. Wow. We uh, see well, each other
4: multiple times a week. We <laughs> live nearby. I work with his wife all day long. But sure,
1: reunion! <laughs> <laughs> Play well, up the I'm, drama. It's like a reality uh, show. I'm, so, I'm glad you both good.
0: settled your beef enough to revisit this book. <laughs> uh, yes. The reason we have you on this is coming out tomorrow is the first issue of Murder, Inc. Jagger Rose. Is that how you pronounce it? I don't know why in my head I keep going Jaeger Rose, like well, a jaeger well, but you have the drinking problem. That's a uh, but that's the reason we're having you on. Uh, it's a sequel to United States of Murder Inc., bringing back those characters and situations. Before we get into it and talk about the book, though, I do want to mention uh, one thing, which is we have one of uh, the folks who watches our show and enjoys our show is a professional chef. His name is Brett Macris, aka Stray Bullet. That's what we call Stray him here. There you go, Pete. And every once in a while, he'll design a drink for the show. He usually curates a drink, and so he made one for this week. Uh, which is the Murder Incorporated? Tying into Ooh. it, uh, which I got right here. It's a little rye whiskey, Averna Amaro, Falernum, Fernet Branca, lemon juice, lemon peel, and it's very surprising and delicious, and yeah. it's a little dark and murky, like the the mob itself. I guess is the idea oh, there. Oh, nice! Uh, but <laughs> can yeah, you pour that stuff. to
4: us? Absolutely, we it. Yeah. I will absolutely. <laughs> we can make it a part of the thing. I love this. Yeah. Please. Express my genuine uh, delights about this. I love this. It,
1: it, he, he's a he's a the head chef at a place called Kushan in New Orleans, one of the best restaurants Ooh. in New Orleans. If you're ever down there,
4: I Hot had man. my honeymoon oh. in New Orleans. Oh, cool!
1: There you, go. So you should, get, for the
4: second
0: there. honeymoon, go go to Kushan. Now, I, it, uh, it's
4: always been on our list. It's always been on our list. <laughs> so, no, so uh, so yes, right, hugely honored. That's a that's a Thank tremendous you. honor. Thank you so much. We will. We will uh, we will try to make those drinks. I don't think I have those ingredients. I'll have to go
1: get them. Yeah, you got to get into them. the dusty like old mafia liquors is where those
4: are. <laughs> all right. Yeah, that's great. Thank you so much. Uh, well, now all we have now, Mike, all we have left is our own strain. That's all that's.
3: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> about that I, have, I have some very good ideas. Yeah, <laughs> good
5: for you. Good for you. Like this is uh, the book for for weed.
0: Yeah. Uh, anyway. Well, listen, it's a great drink and it's also a great book. Uh, we got a preview of it, and I really love this. This is yeah. just to kind of set it up. I, I mean We mentioned this just before, but this is a, essentially a world that's been taken
4: over by the mob. Is that correct? Or most so, things in the world? Yeah. It's a crime comic, full stop. And but but for in comic book language, it's an al- alternate history. Where uh, somewhere in American history, and we do show you in previous volumes, and it was based on some true stuff. That's the other cool thing, too, is that there were times in American history where the uh, aggression between the mob and the United States government was so on the tipping edge that there were moments that could have happened where the mob could have put their foot down and really like challenged the government. And there was a couple moments, particularly after when Kennedy was assassinated when the shit was hitting the fan, uh, where a couple the families got together and a couple of the families said, oh, wow. Yeah, tell them go fuck themselves. What are they gonna do?
1: <laughs>
4: All right, tell them it was us. And everyone get back to work and stop fucking around. Like fuck around and find out, right? They, they gotta- <laughs> and uh um and uh his 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 opinion was that the United States couldn't fight everything that was going on, plus Vietnam, plus this. And if we push, we'll win. And if that would have happened is where we are. And, you know, it's so funny Mm -hmm. because Mike and I were were for years planning on doing like a true crime uh, historical uh, novel. Mm -hmm. I I remain obsessed with the true story of Murder, Inc., uh, going back the, yeah. all through our history of American society and how we, uh, you know, the mob and America were built in conjunction with each other, hand in like hand, sort of working together mm-hmm. a lot. Yeah, and, and 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 though the mob keeps like rebranding uh, 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 <laughs> and calling themselves other things, it's always there. And and uh, so I find that absolutely fascinating. And I originally sat down and really started working on a Murder Inc. like true story and um a few things came out like i remember like uh, frank darabont did mob city which was like a true crime Mm, show mm -hmm. i remember seeing it and it was really good but it was like i i'm learning nothing new I, i i like we know all of this like all of this has been told hundreds of times at this point in many many mediums and then mike said back well what if the mob never you know, what if, what if we hit yeah. that beat? And he, and he, he put it out there and he like, yes. And did this into an alt history. Yeah, the question was like, that. well, what, what if the so?
5: FBI never came down on them in the, in the seventies and the eight yeah, seventies and eighties specifically, like what, what yeah. if, what if the FBI hadn't really put the, the screws on them? Like what would have happened? You know, because when we were thinking about new crime stuff, realistically, like, like the mafia is just nothing like it used to be. You know, um, I mean, they're on podcast hmm. now, tell, talking about. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like it's we have them on next.
0: Actually, they're on we yeah. like a ghost
5: that dog now than, than it ever was before. So, like, you know, to, to create a new mafia would just be you'd have to create new, an an alternate universe. You know, because it's just not like you know the good old days or whatever you want to call it. You know, <laughs> no,
1: ne- having done week, so I'm, many. Go
4: ahead. Okay. No, I'm just saying next week on smartless Paul anka who is Jason Bateman's father-in-law goes on and he's talking about the mob in ways they never talked about it back then. Like, like, here's who, who, here's who controlled us. Here's what they made us do. Here's how we did it. I was like, wow. They never (laughs) talked about that back in the day, but it's always been a huge part of the entertainment industry and a huge part of the society. And we thought what a great way with this alternative history that we built, we can talk about all this real stuff without pointing any
5: fingers, getting any trouble. (laughs) <laughs> if you want to have fun ask your parents like if you're about our age like 40s or 50s ask them if they ever had run-ins around them and like i i was talking with my aunt and uncle one day and they had just started to op- like they just to them it was no big deal they 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 had a mafia phone where the guys like paid them a hundred dollars a month in Kearney, new jersey to just use their phone at any time that they wanted to in the, the 50s or 60s or whatever it was well and, and it was like you know, sort you of like to them, and you find out wait a minute like That was in so many people's lives on so many levels um, down to, yeah, using somebody's phone in an apartment all the way up to, you know, city hall and stuff and talk, talk to your family about it. Like people don't realize what great stories they're holding on to.
1: And honestly, it comes out very casually. It's like, Oh yeah, I went to a mob dentist for several years. (laughs) What What does that even mean? But it's real. There were like shadow services for like, almost everything, like you're saying. is was like, oh, yeah, I had mob. in Jersey,
5: when, when Sopranos came out, we started playing Six Degrees of Mafia, like trying to figure out, like, well, I've never been involved, but, oh wait, there was a time I was working for so-and-so and then that thing was going on, and, yeah. you know, soon, soon, sooner or later you figured out, you, oh, I was like one degree away from mafia stuff. And
1: uh, my, no I'm from upstate good. New York. My dad worked in Utica for a while, and he was like, yeah, the entire town was run by the mob for a while. We can so talk like, the whole city. Wow, that's, <laughs> uh, how convenient.
4: So Cleveland, Jersey, Utica, we all have the same <laughs> observations. And uh, that was part of like just finding a unique way to like get into that truth, you know, was was exciting. And so I, I was so I was so grateful to Mike for for cracking that open because it just it just from there, the characters went flying out out of us. The world, all the history, where the where the pieces all laid together in the history of it came flying together. and And it's it's the book I'm. And I'm just so proud of Mike and, and, and Taki on this book. I, I can't I can't even express it in words. It's it's such a huge leap forward from a place that was already amazing. So, uh, it, yeah, it, it's.
1: So from a creative perspective, is that, I mean, you've done so many crime books where it's like the small, like, let's focus on the details here. And then this is like, let, what if it's all crime. So then, how do you approach the story? Is it like more, much more top down and like building outward rather than sort of upward? How does it work? Well,
4: it's always character first. If you're not doing character first, you're you're gone. I, there's so many comics and movies and TV shows with what a world. I don't care. Like it's <laughs> look at that production design. Why am I looking at it? It's it's um, you really do. If, if the characters aren't speaking a truth and speaking their truth, your truth, some something that expresses the human condition, then, then, then it all goes away. And I always get that. And I, I'm making a little joke here, but as a, as a fan of things and knowing what I know about how to make these things, when I see that essential part missing from a pitch, like, who is it? What is their point of view? What's their hot take on this world that they live in? there's nothing to love. Right. And, and when I see it missing and my heart breaks, because I see all this hard work and beautiful designs get lost, you know, and we've all seen it and we, you know, the pandemic was filled with, uh, with amazing sci-fi with no interesting characters, you know? And so, (laughs) yeah, yeah, so it, it starts with Jagger and Valentine and what do they want? And just, you know, you know, it's getting, you always go to the basics. What do they want? What happens if they don't get it? Why now? You know, all these things that you just answer those questions and you'll find yourself with a very strong narrative to tell your truth.
0: Well, so jumping ahead to this iteration of the book, why was this the right time to bring this back now? what, Given that you had that first series, what was there more to say about it and what needed to
4: be continued? Well, first of all, we just love this. We, we love this world. Deeply on on, on a mm-hmm. level that I I don't think we're supposed to express publicly without sounding like a I don't know <laughs> it's, 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 right we next love of this gross. world it yeah. it has allowed us challenges creatively narratively visually that we uh, set it up for ourselves but we were able to like get there with it and that's very exciting it's also this this the the world of the of organized crime is something that weighs heavy on Mike and I and this has allowed us an opportunity to dive in on levels we couldn't before on any of our other material and we love jagger rose we love her so much we literally just love her and her journey and this storyline uh takes her somewhere from the beginning to end so the good news is if you've never read murder inc before which used to be called the united states of murder inc but we rebranded because uh those are all words people uh aren't into right now you put them all together to <laughs> <put> them <laughs> But it's Murder, Inc. And all three volumes are now available at Dark Horse, uh, on beautiful Dark Horse paper. And um, this volume is the journey of her. It's a journey of um, uh, she does something enormous uh, and that takes her somewhere very, very special. At the end of the first issue, no spoilers, we're heading to the Vatican to see what the Vatican is like when half the world is controlled by uh, uh, gangsters that come from the old world of Italian uh, uh, gangster world, and uh, and we'll see some huge changes that have happened to the world because of it.
0: Uh, now, you had mentioned this earlier, but both of you guys are great. You know that. But the colors in this book that Takisoma does are so phenomenal over the top. Yeah. How much do you find, both from the writing perspective and the art perspective, obviously you know her very well as well, but how much are you leaning into that in terms of crafting the script and then, uh, Mike, for you in terms of, like, doing the layouts?
5: Um, I mean, I just know when Taki tells, when she's coloring, she's telling a story with her colors. Um, Mm -hmm. It didn't come from a place of, let's just do this queer, crazy Um. Uh, crazy, uh, uh, color schemes, you know, they were, they were, she was, she had a purpose behind everything. Um, and she had never colored before either. Um, we, we gave her some very vague ideas. We were, we were talking about doing flat colors for a little bit, you know, cause we're looking at old comics and going, yeah, this, this is great. This holds up. Why isn't anybody doing this? Um, and then Taki found a very specific way to express everything from greed and anger, um, envy, um, in these pages, um, and so when when i'm drawing them i'm actually not thinking what she's going to do because i already know that she's going to follow the story because she reads the scripts and she knows exactly what's going going on and she's going to turn it around into something completely unique and it's it's been one of the most best surprises in my entire career is not just to work with taki on something but specifically what she's doing like it's one of the most unique coloring voices in comics
4: Taki, are you in the room
5: no, she's downstairs no. right now. <laughs> Usually we're and- like side by side. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's Mike awesome. Kentucky.
4: For those who don't know, Mike Kentucky are are married. He loved her colors so much, he put a ring on it. And <laughs> uh, Taki and I uh, teach together at uh, Portland State and uh, on the, on the Substack, which we're actually going to be doing in an hour from now. Uh, uh, cool. Later, so so um, Taki on top of being this amazing colorist is a full-fledged comic creator. Um, she's an amazing graphic novel out from Avery Hill. And so when we're all together as a, as a band, let's say it's trying to figure out how to use everyone's skills and tool sets, everyone like Mike can write, Mike doesn't need me to write this Taki doesn't need us to draw this. Like it's all (laughs) about, all of us have a strength and a, uh, uh, and a skill. And when we come together, we elevate. And, and so, the way we do that is by considering each other's talent and what we do. I think about Taki and her palette with every page I type. I it's, 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 it's because what part of the philosophy that went into this is we see so many films and TV shows just full on poaching the advances in color theory that have gone on in comics over the last 20 years. Like you see a lot of graphic novel advancements In John, John Wick, let's just say John Wick stole Mm -hmm. everything that was going on in comics (laughs) years ago, visually. And God bless. And I love it. And that's why I love that thing more than anything. But it does make you go, oh, right. Well, that's not like they keep taking from us and we keep taking from them. And but it's got to be an elevated conversation. Right. We have to, like, push each other. So the idea was, okay, don't John Wick this. Let's take it to the next level on that. And we broke it down to, like, complementary colors like like the colors are now broken down to two colors that work against each other and that idea was to see like what other mood it could it could cause like other than just full color big reds big blues like what else can we do to create a mood and a tone and that's and that's the philosophy behind all of these
1: scenes it's really interesting to, to that connection to to tv and film where it's like I feel like they the the switch happened from like production design to like color correction, where they're literally doing it like comics do it, where they go in after and change the colors to what they want.
4: Oh, and I've I've had a couple of like privileged moments where I've walked into some production um, places that have nothing to do with comics or us, and I see a lot of comic book stuff on the on the vision board. Yeah, so, like the office, and you see like. John Cassidy, Alex Malieve, you know, just like, you know, uh Darrow, uh like all these people are up there. And like, oh yeah, they're looking to us for inspiration because we are the no budget inspiration board. Like, you know, <laughs> like uh, stuff that's on our our pages didn't cost anything. So they look to us um, sometimes uh with a lot of envy and inspiration. And when I walk into these rooms and I see, oh yeah, they're 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 all over us, then it's up to us to like just run ahead of them and see what else we can find.
1: And then the flip of that is it, I feel like in this book, uh, we're talking about the color so much, but like, it feels like it's almost like thrown light, which I think is a cinematic thing that we don't always see in comics. And I think that is a real separator here.
4: Yeah, I, I agree. I, I, it's, it's a huge, that element has gone from powers all the way through to our other work, like uh, Mike's, Mike's, um, relationship with, um, Shadows is something I admire and, and and it speaks to me greatly. Like it spoke to me like when we first met and it speaks to me now, like every time Mike hands in the page, I get that same like visceral feeling. And, uh-huh. and, and, and that a hey, God damn, why can't I do this? And you know, like, <laughs> we're doing and 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 he and I do share and discuss a lot of philosophy about this and share inspiration constantly, even if we don't have a specific thing, like I, if I see something cool, like look at the cool thing, you know, it, it, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, put, it, put, it, put it on the vision board We all the time. So I'm like, so, please talk about
5: this. I didn't mean to over talk about
4: it. I'm, Mike's know, explaining. I, my, we share here. the same brain on
5: this stuff. You know, um, nah. I mean, Taki and I every morning, we probably spend about an hour just talking about either story or art or color theory. Brian and I, nah. you know, we have like these ongoing texts with some of our friends artists and creator friends and it's just we're always talking about well nonsense mostly but then there's there's a lot of <laughs> art in there you know yeah, it's sneaky um, in the art. <laughs> so yeah it, that's just our language it's just our language to to, to continuously talk about this stuff um and yeah, yeah I, mean,
4: I, did, like... I did. I did. I th- did uh, blow up the conversation yesterday with the uh, announcement of the Miles Morales Burger King burger that did throw out the conversation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 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 I, 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 I apologize for that. That's I, I was huge. So... Red Whopper. Yeah.
0: It's coming out. Yeah. How does it feel? A... To, are you are you going to be there for opening day to have a Red Whopper, Brian? Are you going to go there? Oh, no,
4: no. I it was so funny. I. We're we're a little light on junk food in this house because mm-hmm. you know we're Portland people. We're just you know try to keep yeah. the kids healthy, and you know we sure. keep, It's a special occasion event. I'm not anti fast food, but it's it's a special occasion. I came down and I showed the kids, and they all got they all fist bump because they knew we're all going to oh, we're going to Burger King. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <Well>, we <laughs> have <Burger did>. <laughs> but
4: It was just it, uh, it not to not to derail the conversation. It was just a, this. It's a very strange experience to see that and then you you flash back to your childhood and how much you wanted a Happy Meal and how much Mm -hmm. they meant to you. I just can't believe, I just can't believe it at all. Well, that's why you
1: get into the business is to the (laughs) (laughs) potential Happy Meal
4: (laughs) I wrote to Sarah, like, you, you And no time in the development, in years we worked on Miles Morales, did we ever say burger.
5: <laughs> the than <laughs> never popped up, so it's the surrealist thing. Anyway, back yeah, I, I can tell you but, that the whole time, Brian, like I remember the early days of Brian just like, picking my brain a little bit about, you know, you want to create this other Spider-Man and stuff. And like, believe me, none of this, none of this was on the radar, you know. Um, and I've seen no. some crazy moments from this hamburger thing. Of course, the movie's. One day we're in his office talking about powers and Trevor Noah is on and he starts making Spider-Man references. And then he's, he's talking about Miles Morales and stuff. And we're like, what is yeah. the- going on? You know, yeah, I um, so never crazy. saw any of this coming. And and to watch it from the sidelines has been amazing. It's, I don't say it enough because it's, it's, it's everywhere at this point. So it's kind of hard to say, Hey, you did this, you know, um, I mean, you and Sarah <laughs> and and Marquez later and stuff, you know, but it's, it's crazy how you can accidentally affect the world in comics without, crazy Not intending
0: to are we going to yeah, see no. a bendis variant of spider-man and across the spider-verse or you're going to get a cat no, there? No, the no 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 <laughs>
4: i i am very excited to share the movie with everyone uh i have uh. been uh, um helping when, when i can with lord De Miller, and it's uh it's very exciting I, mean, I i can't wait to see you know then when the first one came out i was uh uh i don't think i was properly uh, uh prepared mentally to uh, to fully enjoy it. I was leaving Marvel. I was heading into the thing. I had some trauma going on. And uh, and so it all happened, but I, I, I wasn't fully uh, there. And so I'm so happy I get a do-over. I do. I feel like well, there's pa- a whole lot do-over for me. Personally. It was
1: such a surprise, like, every, like so many people's favorite Spider-Man iteration. And to have that be out of nowhere. And now you're sort of like you're ready. And it's, this also now, is a can, spider now now explosion.
4: Gonna, yeah. Yeah. Now I'm going <laughs> to bring on the animation. And also, the other thing is it's, it's Mike knows this, is my favorite thing about everything Spider-Verse is uh, how many of our friends have been hired and have uh. gotten gigs off of it. And it's not because of me. I'd not like say, here, hire my friends. It's like, you know, Sanford Green is working. Out. Oh, oh, great. I love Sanford. Sanford. And so it's, it's like all these people that we really like, like on the first one, are like, after it was done, Bill Sinkemish goes, Hey, I just did the poster for Spider Verse. I'm like, I would kill to have you do the poster. For <laughs> yeah, so yeah, oh, that's so, that, awesome. so yeah, anyway, not to derail it, just it's just it's been a weird Spider Verse day because we just uh, found out not only are we getting burgers, we're getting tasty cakes. It's all, it's all,
0: hey,
1: burgers. there
4: you go, wow,
0: it's nice. all coming true.
1: Yeah, me a box uh, of it's, <laughs> it's
4: all the healthy, what are you gonna get? <laughs> celery, yes. yeah,
1: something healthy in that. But you know what's Uh, funny,
4: not to bring it all back, but uh, just before the the strike hit, um, uh, Amazon gave us a thumbs up on developing Murder, Inc. as a TV show. And uh, just uh, you know, literally just uh, landed who would be our showrunner. And we were very, very excited. And now it's all on pause. So uh, lots um, of time to think. Not right. Yes, uh, but also for those of you who went, oh, I'd like to see this TV show. I'm like, oh, go buy the book. Good, it's the book's house. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So so I'm excited for the future of Murder, Inc. past uh, where we are even today because of that. So if you want to see what's coming next, check out Murder, Inc. coming out tomorrow. Yeah, yeah.
0: Uh, we do have a question here for, in the comments. This is from Ramsey Hassan. Says, huge oh, fan of Takio. Is there any chance you'd team up on more Takio or another middle grade or YA comic?
4: Yes to all. My like... Mike's nodding yes too, which is good. But, uh, um, <laughs> uh, but for those who don't know, Takio is a real family affair. Uh, Taki and my daughter Olivia um, years ago became very close uh, friends, and uh, and remains now that my daughter's an adult, and they're very close and uh, uh, one, um, You know, I I go to these Marvel retreats. I would like go for a couple of days. Me and uh, Uncle Matt would go to a Marvel retreat in New York. And we come back and, you know, we're so home all the time when we leave. It's like, where did you go? Right. So (laughs) uh, I I was out uh, with my daughter and we were like having a little picnic. And she goes, well, where where, where were you on Wednesday? And I'm like, oh, I'll tell you, you know, me and Matt and a bunch of writers. We get together and we go to Marvel and we just throw stories at each other. And whoever has the best story, we, we make that story right? So we, she goes, oh, you just tell stories to each other. And I go, yeah. She goes, well, I got a story. And I go, I'll hit me. <laughs> she really pitched me the line, the witch, in the wardrobe. Exactly. And I said, <laughs> that's the line, the witch, in the wardrobe. And she said, I'll never forget to, so she goes, with superheroes? And I went, I appreciate <laughs> you trying to make me like that pitch, and I do. <laughs> make- <laughs> that's good, I said, but that I, I, I like the instinct to like, like, yes, and her own pitch into something that might get greenlit. And, and then she came back to me like an hour later with the idea of Takio, which is two adopted sisters who get superpowers at the same time and, and all hell breaks loose. And I was like, that's a really good idea. And then I'm like, <laughs> did you get that from my Carlier?" Like, I'm like, I'm going to make sure that it wasn't yeah. <laughs> stolen or anything. And, uh, and no, it was an original idea she had. And I went to Mike and I go, am I nuts or is this a thing? And then he just started drawing it. And it, and my daughter actually said, it's Taki's my older sister and I'm the younger sister and I'm driving her crazy. And I was like, I think we're doing this. And so we did a couple volumes and they did really well for us. And um, And the only thing that kind of stopped us is that Olivia is, uh, in film school now. She's an adult making films and it's hard to like look at seven year old Olivia as a thing. And, and, yeah. you know, so, so yes to doing more. We love the genre. We love the space. Uh, and we actually had a third volume, uh, that we wanted to do. We just got distracted by Murder Inc. So a lot of times it's just a matter of, Oh yeah, we did that. And we want to do other things. And there's only so many, so much time in the day, but yes is the answer. I've written a bunch uh, of it.
1: Did it, did it. Were you jealous of your uh, daughter's ability to get rejected and come back with a winning pitch an hour later? Because yeah. <laughs> like, I, I certainly I, am. <laughs> mean, I, I, that's a skill I want. I would be crushed for the rest yeah, of the exactly. day. She's yeah, exactly. She's like, got it. Yeah. Here's a winner. <laughs> no,
4: she would have gone, god damn it. That's she would have learned. Yeah.
1: <laughs> uh,
0: we got another one here. This is from Michael Tillman. Any updates on when we get more Phenomena?
4: Yeah, it's um uh happy to report we're we're on board if you follow uh um uh, phenomena is a book uh series I do with Andre Lima um uh through Abrams and uh it's the only book I have right now that isn't at dark horse but um it's this uh one, oh, it's this wonderful another and 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 it is YA too uh technically so if you're looking for more YA this this would be it just not from Mike and myself but yeah the second volume will be out um uh for christmas this year and uh, and so will volume three the next year it's a three volume uh, series and um if you follow andre on instagram or myself you can see how absolutely stunning this second volume is and it was already stunning i i, I can't believe what's coming out of this person and how quickly it's coming out of him too it's it's quite stunning so it's coming if you want to watch it get made, you can follow Andre on Substack and or follow him on Instagram, and you can watch it unfold. If you need a little phenomena boost, it is again. Oh, yes. uh, I'm one of, I, I'm so amazed by Andre. I, I'm just like I feel like I'm just holding on to for dear life to be part of the collaboration. It's amazing.
0: Uh, not to take a swerve, but Mike, I, I just wanted to give you a shout out about Blue Book, which we have uh, been
3: loving. Oh, it is yeah.
0: so good. That's and good. it feels like <laughs> nothing against this book that we're extensively talking about, but it really feels like it's taken your art to a very different level in a very different place. The angles that you're using are very different. Uh, what has this experience been like for you and what has it been pushing you in this way?
5: Um, it's been really great working with James. You know, he shares the same love of weird stuff that i do um the same sort of sensibilities um but i, I think why this book feels different is because it does it, it has to be pure storytelling and what i mean by that is like there's nobody being punched there's nobody jumping through yeah. glass you know and, and those kind of action stuff which i love it's my bread and butter um does a lot for you you know but if, if you only have camera angles shadows body language the looks in people's eyes to tell the story um, you're going to find new and, and, and really interesting ways to, to tell it. And, and honestly, I, I'm hoping to do more stuff like this, more sort of almost journalistic comics, you know, very real life. Um, b- because it does bring out just a different kind of thought process that, that has to go into it. Um, and I'm, I'm having the, the time of my life on it. I mean, I'm very lucky that all my projects are things i'm absolutely in love with uh, most of them are creator owned um, when i get to do work for hire stuff usually i'm pretty lucky and it's stuff that i'm really having fun on like kate carson um but right now you know working with with brian on um murder inc we've got some other things that we're working on together like actively working on um mm-hmm. and blue book it's just I haven't having the time of my life
1: i, I feel like once say- you've been doing something oh go ahead
5: No, I was just to say, you know, I've known
4: Mike a very, very long time. And uh, this is such a good idea for Mike. Like, Mike has been to UFO conventions. (laughs) And we actually put UFOs in powers for me to, like, just give mike what i know that he needed like like we're on our power (laughs) Like this man is obsessed with ufos and i just and it it brought our ufos into the thing i was reading alien agenda by jim mars to like to meet my partner halfway and uh (laughs) that's when when blue book came about i was like oh my god i can't believe it's finally happened a perfect book for mike Oh, that's uh, awesome. so good. Uh, well, I, just, I feel like oh,
1: once you've been, yeah. sorry, real quick, once you've been doing something for so long, like like you're saying, like uh, guardrails or limitations, like this book has to be this this specific, actually is the challenge that, that feeds you a little bit. Like, what are yeah. other versions of that that you would look to um, for both of you? Like, what's the next sort of like, I wanna do something where I have to do it this way, or like where there is a barrier there? You know, real quick, I'll just say,
5: honestly, I love the weirdest thing in in working in comics over 30 years. I've learned my favorite thing is limitations. Like it used to be like, you want to have this mindscape that's just wide open. You just throw in all this kind of ideas and like, you know, you know, just be existential and crazy and stuff And like I've learned the opposite, like in my writing and I learned this from Taki because when Taki wrote her book, um, Sleeping While Standing, it's a biography and each story is told in four page increments. So she had big experiences that she had to edit down to four pages and that affected the way that I wrote to just cut so much out to just stay on the, the laser like spine of, a, of, of the story. So that helped there working on blue book using just two tones of blue, basically weirdly gave me the confidence now to color. And, and I have a project I'm working on now. That. I'm doing the colors myself um, because of those limitations that I learned in the, in the, the blue book it opened up this whole other thing for me, the same thing with the storytelling in blue book, those limitations have helped me move on to um, do other stuff. So it's the weirdest thing that, that limitations, being able to, to force yourself to stick in the lane, to not say certain things um, or to do, not do certain things is weirdly way more freeing because you become much more focused than if it's just this wide open plane of an imagination museum that you can just go crazy in. so what, what, what would that hope for the future I, I i don't know i think brian and i are constantly one of the things i love about working with brian he's constantly pushing me i'm i'm happy to do what's good and go wow this is good i'm done this is good <laughs> Brian's like, no no what's the next thing like we don't want to don't he never wants to do sideways moves you know he always wants to push it to go to go further right. um and you know between the two of us uh I, i'm just excited about the next next thing that we do
4: so what Mike is talking about is next year we have a book coming out from Dark Horse that is a a, a sci-fi swing that is uh, scary for both of us. We're we're and Taki's is involved in it as well. So we, we uh, we're we already a couple of issues into it and um, and it, it is and it is causing us to challenge ourselves everywhere we can and and by the way there's ways to by the way what mike just described we do in a friendly way we're not like no do better it's it's like, we're, we're like i'm uh, i'm actually talking about myself more than i'm ever talking about mike and taki but he always takes it as it's about him like i'm pushing to see where i can uh where i can find new new energy and new 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 truths um but what I learned in that regard to your earlier question, and something I took very seriously, is that there's a really great bit in one of the Blade Runner documentaries where Ridley Scott is looking back on how boy, I had no money to make Blade Runner and it's my best okay. movie. Right. Wow. And he goes, Now nah, and then and then after Blade Runner, he was given a couple of movies like White Squall or something like that, where he had all the money in the world and and it didn't really land, right? And he realized that that, um, that uh, what you call it, these, these, these things, these things standing in his way cause creativity, like, you know, like give me a reason to be creative and, 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 and I'll do it. Give me a reason just to be lazy and spend money. I'll do that too. Right. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I took this very, I took this to heart, uh, big time. Like, like that, that's where the creativity comes from, 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 from giving yourself like, you know, lanes and stuff and so for our new book we have like inspirations we won't go to because everyone the comics goes to them in sci-fi like like no mobius no kirby like like we're like just to like (laughs) yeah we're, we're what else is there right and and if and if the instinct was let's do our let's do our tribute to mobius then that's what we would do like that would be the thing But but we decided no we should venture further that's, that's 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 be inspired by him by doing what he did which is go somewhere else and uh and that's our mindset with a lot of things including murder inc which again yeah. looking at the godfather and goodfellas yeah. and all the things that inspired some of the visuals it's don't repeat them be inspired by them to find another language another visual and a, another angle on the scene that no one else has done before well, I, okay, I mean, yeah. tying into this discussion a little bit, I think as we've been talking around,
0: as fans of both of you guys, when we've been reading through these books, it's been so exciting to see what this really creatively fertile period is the way that I put it. Like we mentioned Blue Book, we didn't talk about The Ones, a book that we oh, yeah. absolutely love that was so funny and oh, so man. fun and Where sharp and creative. Oh, I was very right. excited about that. But I mean, people always want to know, like, are you going to go back and do more DC and Marvel stuff? I'm curious—is that something that you feel a hankering for, or given that you are pushing yourself so creatively right now, is that the place that you want to sit in at the moment? Uh, yeah,
4: I yeah, I I I I have to be careful. There's so many people like hustling for work, and I don't want to sound um, bratty, but I was on the hamster wheel for decades, and I was mm-hmm. and I was running fast. I'm doing five, six, yeah. sometimes seven titles a month. So like in that in that. 20 year period, I did like 38 years worth of freelance work and I'm <laughs> proud of all of it and I'm not bothered by any of it. And just this week, DC asked me to do something and I went, ooh, it like, like." and, and uh, <laughs> yeah, it gets you a little bit still. No, the 22 year old of me went, god damn, you yeah. wanted it, like 22 year old me wanted this email so bad <laughs> and I would have to say no thank you because I'm, I'm doing other things right now. Um, also I came from the very high class problem of my stuff is out there and it's still being absorbed by people. And the movies like keep, keep the books in the, in the, in in the top sellers. I mean, stuff pops up selling really well that from years ago that I didn't do. So, so that stuff's all still alive. So let it be alive and don't compete with it and, and put out news and putting out new stuff is, is where my heart is. And I feel like. I'm more scared. It's scarier to do new stuff. Like it would uh, writing Spider-Man again would be the biggest hug in the world. It would feel so snuggly. It would be the snuggliest thing. (laughs) It it, it would feel so good. Uh, And, um, and working uh, uh, the little bit that I've helped on the Spider-Verse movie has kind of, kind of like takes that edge off a little bit. Like I'm, I'm still talking about Spider-Man today. So it's like in my heart, I'm, I'm still doing Spider-Man even though you're not seeing any Spider-Man from me, other than, you know, the movie will be out soon. But so my, 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 my world is a little different. So I'm trying to live the life of my heroes and do that, which scares me more and challenges me more and to do the things. I don't know if I can do them. The ones was something like I have never done like a comedy. I've done stuff that had comedy in it, but doing a comedy was like, all right, Mr. Comedy nerd show them what you got <laughs> and give it a shot and 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 i i felt that way about pearl and the ones where when they when they come out i have like real opening night jitters like i'm real i have real anxiety about them coming out and i know oh that's the good feeling like if i'm like every you hear writers talk about all the time like the thing that's right up to embarrassing is the good stuff right and uh, <laughs> <laughs> that, uh and 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 knowing that and Feeling it are two different things, but once it's out and like, oh, okay, that means, yeah, that means that I'm in the right place. So right now I have the privilege to be able to create new stuff with my friends. The audience is allowing us to do it. I would be a fool not to take full opportunity to create as much new stuff as I possibly can. Also not to overly answer the question. When I look back on things, the only thing I kick myself for is more new stuff, please. You know, I I think about George Lucas created Star Wars because they wouldn't let him do Flash Gordon. And I tell all my friends that when they're they want to work on Batman, I'm like, okay, but where's your Star Wars? It might it might be in that in in that inspiration to do Batman might also be your Star Wars. So I'm not saying don't do Batman if you want to do Batman. But boy, it's exciting to create new stuff from scratch. It's exciting. It's scary. It's all the things. I love that, and Mike, it's you would effort. sell out at a moment's right, but, notice, right? <laughs> yeah, I just you know like like I, I and also I'm not like I know some people like leave Marvel and DC. They go fuck Marvel, fuck DC. I, I don't feel that in my heart. Yeah. A lot of people are doing amazing work. I wish them all the feeling I had when I was doing it. I felt completely fulfilled, and I want everyone else who gets there to also have that feeling as well. So, and that's again, by the way, tomorrow, someone like CB might call me up with something. I go,
1: fuck, I have, I have to. <laughs> great caveat but, at the end. Uh, but,
4: yeah. But I, um, but I, I will say at the moment, this is my journey is set for the next couple of years of doing like all our books are, are scheduled for the next couple of years. It's all created around. And it's that's very awesome. exciting.
0: That's great. Yeah. yeah.
4: Uh, well, I, I love that,
0: honestly. like We've been yeah. really happy and really excited to see the things that both of you guys are doing. It's just fun to pick up a new book for both of you at, at this yeah. point. Not that it wasn't before, but just seeing things like Murder, Egg and Jack and Rose and not knowing where it's going to go is very exciting. Like we said, Blue Book, awesome. The One's hilarious. So this is great. I'm very excited, guys. Uh, I'm looking forward to more from you coming forward.
4: Well, thank you. If if you if you can give Mike Oming a follow, he's been posting um, work on Murder Inc. and Blue Book and all of the other mm-hmm. projects that he's working on with uh, Taki and with other people. And you get to see um, an artist in the zone. look, I've known Mike. Yeah. Where were we at? Twenty five years now, Mike. I I, like I, yeah. I, I watched Mike. <laughs> as a, as his biggest fan i can't believe the run he's on right now it's unbelievable your oh, nice. nice. beautiful cartoon creativity i love it
5: and i, I will least, say to tie into this on my yeah. my youtube channel i recorded the entire process for the covers for oh, where, oh, wow. which cool. all connect it's a six issue connecting cover so it's awesome. like 20 something hours of live art process and then i go over like using photo reference and uh what are and reworking stuff oh, and trying yeah. to connect things all together and, and you just you just google the name on YouTube or yeah, YouTube, and you'll find it there. Awesome, That's and uh, before I let
0: you guys go, I do want to bring up one comment here from YouTube because I thought it was very sweet. Sure. This is from Stray Beans. I had a baby six months ago, and I named him Christian, partially after Christian Walker from Powers,
4: which I kept secret from my wife.
0: Well, man, out. now she knows.
1: Secrets out. Now she knows.
4: <laughs> I I'm thrilled about this because I and Mike knows this like. Before I had kids, I used up all my favorite baby names on our character. <laughs> like also, like the, the names I really love. And by the time we had children, not only had I used up all the names, but then I had also tortured all the characters in terrible ways. So like <laughs> Jessica and Dina. Like I told my daughters that one there's a world in which you were all named Jessica and Dina and but I couldn't name you that after what we did to Dina Pilgrim and powers. I couldn't like, I couldn't <laughs> so I, I, it makes me thrill that when these names uh, find their way out in the world and, and we've had a, quite a few miles have, have come into the world since spider verse. And that's kind of amazing. Yeah. It, it really is warm. It really is lovely. That's so, awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, guys, thank you so much for coming on. Thank Congratulations you. and everything. Oh, Brian,
0: you. enjoy your whoppers. Uh, yeah, yeah, I yeah, yes. um, uh, appreciate hungry. it very much. Like always you a got pleasure, it. Guys. And you can
4: find us all on, as social media devolves into madness, you can um, <laughs> follow me on Substack. Mike is yeah. on uh, Instagram and a Patreon uh, and our Substack is filled with, uh, I have a new comic fortune, glory, the musical uh, coming out every week. Uh, a new uh, textbook called creation that's coming out every week. And um, our masterclass, which is starting in less than an hour. On, on Substack Zoom, so get uh, there. Awesome, that, that, that's 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 the place to see us. All right, thank you guys
0: awesome. again. Have a great night. Thank you, so much, guys.
1: Thank you both. Thank, thank you so much. Thank you.
0: <laughs> All right, yeah. there oh, we go. Man. Brian Michael Bendis and Michael Avon Oming. Don't oh, forget wow. to check out Murder Inc. Jagger Rose. Coming out tomorrow from Dark Horse Comics, yeah, it's awesome. We'll be talking about
3: it on the stack. We'll
0: be talking yeah, we about will. it on the stack. We'll oh yeah, give it a favor. We'll, we'll, the we'll be stacking about it.
3: We'll be We're stacking about it. We're
1: gonna be stacking. <laughs> yes,
0: uh, and that that was great. What a great time talking to them, uh, oh, guys. Man. We so. are going to move on with our next section, which is my favorite section cuz you all make it up. It is your audience questions. All right. Yeah. And for audience questions, all you got to do is drop a question basically wherever you're watching the podcast, except Twitter because Twitter doesn't work properly anymore. But what are you guys
1: <laughs> What are you guys Wait.
0: drinking tonight? What you drinking? What you drinking?
1: Um I had a uh, cocktail which was Mezcal, triple sec, grapefruit juice. It's my drink of this, it's my spring drink, and I'm loving it.
3: Ooh, interesting. That sounds nice.
1: And now I'm drinking um, uh, red wine.
0: Excellent. I, I'm still working on the uh, Murder Incorporated, by the way.
3: Ooh, that sounds lovely. <laughs> yes. Uh, so they have these uh, these things in uh, Baltimore called Crushes. I don't know if it's just Baltimore or, or widely more spread, but they have <laughs> oh them God. here. And basically, it's a fruit juice and vodka. Uh, and Vodka? Uh,
0: the way you say vodka, vodka is... Vodka. Yeah. Is, so, that called, is that called a peat trap?
1: Is that the name yeah. of the drink? <laughs> uh,
3: so the, these are... Uh, they put them in cans. They call them Smashes. And uh, they've got a little fruit punch in Vodka. It's like in Return of the
1: Jedi when the the meat was hanging and it was just a chewy trap. That's what (laughs) would be hanging for the pea trap.
3: Oh,
0: yeah. I'd fall for it every time. All right. We got a question here from Derek Mainhart. Other than superheroes, what is your favorite genre of comics? Great question. I like Uh, that. Great question.
1: Uh, I mean, I got to say, it's like crime with a twist, crime comics with a little Mm -hmm. bit of an angle, I think, Mm -hmm. is like that. A little bit of a lemon. Um, I mean, the stuff we've been talking about uh, with all the Bendis books that do that um, and got to throw out like that Texas blood has like uh, it's crime, but focus in a particular area. And then each new arc sort of heightens and takes in a different direction. I've been loving that lately.
0: Pete, what about you? What's your favorite non superhero genre?
3: I think Murder Falcon. I think it's the answer to that. It's a very focused genre. uh Very singular. uh... What's your
0: favorite Murder Falcon comic book, Pete?
3: Murder Falcon. Oh, I'm gonna say Murder what Falcon. What was your second genre? favorite? Yeah, your, well, second, your second, second favorite. Well coming in second is Murder Falcon, which <laughs> was close. It was hard for me to rank those. <laughs> yeah, hard but, to do that. Uh do you actually have a favorite genre or, or are you? Violence? Is that a joke?
1: Shoikl yeah. suggests rom com. Yeah.
0: Oh well that's you know.
3: Non-comic you actually
1: film. don't really
0: like rom-com comics. I think Justin likes. Well, over the comics.
3: years, yeah, I have uh, you know become a little bit more like Justin, whereas mm-hmm. I enjoy a good relation. You know what I mean? He Where in the beginning, happened, in the beginning, I was like Justin, who cares about these made-up relationships? Now I'm into deep. So uh, yeah, thank mm-hmm. you for giving us a little bit more light there.
0: Uh, and uh, for me, I would say porn. Let's move on to the next yeah. question. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> Not
1: surprising.
0: Wow, Not surprising. Ben is talking
5: about truth uh, being truthful. Really opened you <laughs> yeah, up, yeah. Alex. and I love it. Uh, no, no,
0: I think no, 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 I actually no, think yeah, I've been very into horror comics lately. To be perfectly honest, like uh, I, bet, I, I always like horror, but there's something about it that there's been some really good horror comics. When we started out doing the show, there was like Lock and Key, and that was the thing that we called on, and now. I think there are legit scary comics all over the place, and it's
1: awesome. Well, I think there's, like, comics like Ice Cream Man, but then beyond that, there's been sort of a renaissance of just straight-up horror books that are, like, one-offs or even limited series in the last year. It's been crazy how horror's caught on
0: yeah this is from prime energy question for pete the art Uh expert of the show what are some of your favorite art forward comics step by bloody step is one of my faves
3: oh first off uh uh, prime energy good call on that Mm -hmm. uh there has been a uh what i call a renaissance of non uh words in comics which has just been glorious renaissance
1: of (laughs) non-words
3: yeah so it's been nice to get uh just you know let's get rid of all these stupid ideas and thoughts, and just let the art do the uh, uh, talking. Um, Yeah, I don't know, man. I think that, uh, you know, um, the Beasts of Burdens, uh, you know, comic when that first started, and that Mm -hmm. was, you know, that was all watercolors, and it was such an interesting uh, kind of uh, genre to see Uh, kind of horror. Yeah, Jill Thompson. Yeah, just to see kind of like intensity in a watercolor was an interesting kind of mood. And uh, it really kind of took me to an interesting place. So uh, I I just think stuff that moves you, stuff that's different, that kind of jumps out at the panels at you is always amazing.
1: Uh, I would throw out, if I may answer uh, Pete, art Mm -hmm. expert of the show, if I could jump in here. Um, The first thought that comes to mind here is Art Brute, the um, Mm -hmm. the, uh, W. Mm -hmm. Maxwell Prince comic uh, that is not only using a lot of different types of art but is about art and i thought that sort of while still having words uh it's not part of the non-words renaissance something we uh adhere to now uh it, it really does like uh, push the form and it makes you look it's you're looking at art but also thinking about how art works on our brains and, and lives
0: yeah i don't know if this is exactly the answer you're looking for either but i'd say a lot of the jeff Loeb tim sales stuff definitely leans into oh, Tim yeah. sales art Like, Jeff Loeb tends to get very wordy and plotty often, but the Tim Sale books he does are the ones that just lead into pure emotion and the character and pushing that forward and kind of, like, his words take a little bit of a step back there, so I I always like that stuff. This is from Edward Doherty. The Flash isn't out yet, but why didn't they just make a Michael Keaton Batman movie instead? ah, Come
3: on! That would have been fucking awesome. I would think that maybe it would be... A lot of stunt double, not Michael. I don't know. I don't know what kind of mobility he's uh, uh, at, but that would be the well, only thing that I would... He's in his 70s. He could move around, right? Yeah. Sure, yeah. You but, dance. I mean, 12 hours a day, you know, day after day, I think sure. would get a little... Absolutely. I wish
1: I could ask him if he wanted to get nuts and find out if he would get nuts.
3: Oh, man. (laughs) But Doherty, great Great question, question, because that's the reason I'm going to see this fucking movie is because Michael Keaton is Batman, so it's like, you know.
1: Well, 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 they got the oldest, crotchetyest viewers (laughs) to come in for the movie via this.
0: I mean, I feel like the original idea was to get towards a Michael Keaton Batman movie again, like a Dark Knight Returns type thing, because they had him in Batgirl, they had him in The Flash, have him in, come, coming in the flash. And I think the idea was to have him be the new Batman going forward to the DC universe. So no. they were going to put him in various movies. I assume they wanted to make a Batman sequel with him.
1: I think it's, no. it's a headline. I don't think they wanted to do a full on Batman movie with Michael Keaton as the lead, because I think that that's like the opposite direction. That's literally appealing to, to, people who have seen all the older movies. Like, I, I think that what they want to do is get the headline of that and have it... How, how dare Yuckers you say
0: that. that? How dare you say all of this on Beetlejuice to Date Announcement Day? <laughs> oh,
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Man, he, that guy's going to be busy
0: going. Yeah. I want to throw this be. out to you. This is something that Pete's going to get very mad at me, but I was thinking about earlier, and when then I was thinking do about it? it earlier, I was like, Pete's going to get mad at me if I say this on the show. Uh, yeah. Who do you? Think... I love
1: when I think that during the day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: who do you think is a bigger, like, I'm at the end of my life, let me just get out a bunch of sequels and shit or whatever person, Michael Keaton or Harrison Ford at this point? Oh, what kind of thought is that? What the fuck kind of? <laughs> I mean, that's negative what they're both bullshit. doing, though. Harrison Ford
3: has basically given up at this point. Go well, fuck yourself, dude. That fucking Apple Plus movie was fucking is TV fantastic. Show. It is. It's great. a fucking. Fa- it, it is kills
0: great. Kills it. The reason, And he also did a Tyler Sheridan show, but all of that adds up to him being like, well, I got to get on a b- bunch of projects now. <laughs> gotta well, hurry and, up!" I, now. But
1: I don't think you, neither of them are like trying to make money. I think they're just people who are like, yeah, I'll do that. Also, Michael Keaton just had a huge win with Dope Sick. Like he's still out there making moves. Totally. Birdman. I mean, Harrison I mean Ford, we can go Birdman. on for like, hours. That was pushing a decade ago, I think. But I, I do think that Harrison Ford is like an actor's actor. He's never been one to deal with any of the bullshit. He's like, I don't know. I just want to do this. This is fucking fun. So he's still feeling that way, I think. Indy 5 coming. He's still moving.
0: Great. Good answer. <laughs> right. This is from uh, schweikler Audience question. Uh, you guys don't need to title an audience question. I'll just pull it in as an audience question. I also don't need to read it. No also, we should song. say,
3: take a moment, and say, "Happy <laughs> wow, birthday, Alex. Kev. Happy yeah, birthday, Kevin! Come on. Happy Alex, birthday, don't, Kevin! Don't, don't you puppet-loving you... mother! Happy birthday!"
0: <laughs> I I hope you uh, got many puppets today, Kevin. Yeah. Uh, what were you going to say, I Justin?
1: did. I was going to say you don't need to take something off your plate if oh, you don't. <laughs>
0: Um, audience question, what are some of your favorite recent throwbacks to the 1960s or 1970s?
1: I guess just... the 90s. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I assume in
1: comics or just in general? Oh, I don't know. interesting. I yeah. guess maybe every person who grew up then and that's all they talk about. You yeah, know what I mean? all the like time. Like all of our parents.
0: Uh, how about in comics,
3: the scumbag? That was a pretty good throwback to oh, the
0: 70s. Great
1: answer, Alex. I love Thanks, that ma'am. answer. I think uh, was. Blackula was.
3: is a great example of this um, recency just, bias. Like yeah, recency yeah, bias. yeah. What am I, Justin, over here? Come on! Yeah, uh, no, but no, you're not it's me, uh, do. it's exciting that we're getting more of it. You know what I mean? And also, I love this new perspective and uh, new idea behind it. So, I'm very excited about it.
1: Uh, the first answer that comes to mind is sort of a weird one, but I would say Ryan North's Fantastic Four feels like it's mm. going back mm-hmm. into real like science premise based storytelling for the fantastic four it's all about them and very family oriented but a lot of it is getting into like very specific concepts what felt which is what it felt like back in sort of the silver age fantastic four stuff uh
3: our next question oh were you going to say something else pete and then i'm just you know i'm very excited for the return of disco you know i can't Mm -hmm. wait yep it's coming back man coming back again Coming back, uh, this one. Ooh, this is this is poke of the bear. I
0: don't know if I should even bring it in, but I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it. Ramsey Hassan says heard Jordan D. White give Pete a shout out on iFanboy. Josh from iFanboy said he went to college with Pete. Any chance of a CBC versus iFanboy crosses crossover?
3: Uh, well, first off, uh, oh, really? listen I'll to gonna, that. I'm gonna just take out my headphones. Okay, great. Yeah. First off, I listened to that interview. And was a little disappointed in the way Josh dismissed me like we didn't have history together. So that hurt a little bit. But we have done crossovers. We've had them on our show. We've been on their show. We've seen them at conventions. And, yeah, I went to college with all those guys. Um, and But yeah. they're,
1: uh, they're your greatest enemies.
3: Yeah. Uh, Maybe one of them. We have a little history. We almost got in the fight. <laughs> Woo, in the which one? This is juicy.
1: But, this is uh, juicy yeah. yeah, yeah. Which one of the, um, those guys is has a? Funny it's the one name that
3: most looks screen. like Zalbin, if that helps at all. Uh, wow, oh,
1: that's yeah. <laughs> that explains <laughs> <I can see. laughs> everything. Does that explain everything? Yeah, it's all wow. coming together, man. Oh man.
0: <laughs> oh, cool. Uh, yeah. You, but you were most mad at Jordan, right? Was that the thing,
1: Pete?
3: Well, from that interview? Yeah. No, what was just hard was, first off, I was really drunk when I was listening to it. But secondly, like I crazy. was mad because I couldn't ask any questions, you know what I mean? Like It was hard to just be a yeah. passenger on that ride. because That's like, a, like
1: like most podcasts, except for <laughs> ours. Yeah, we, exactly. Uh, I
3: get to be on cereal a bunch, though. That's the one exception.
1: That is great. Oh, well, that's
3: yeah, yeah, I don't know what that means, but congratulations. And you,
1: you should know, if you shout loud enough when you're watching Ted Lasso, they will... You It does affect the show. Oh well, good. <laughs> That's good news. Yeah.
3: Uh,
0: good Those news. scenes where Jason Sudeikis is like, "Huh? What did <laughs> <What'd> you say? <laughs> what did you say? <laughs> what did you, <say? laughs> you say, Pete? Hey, Pete, this is the thirtieth time you watch this episode. Why don't you turn it off? Do something, else, Pete.
1: <laughs> Pete. Please, for the love of God, turn this off.
0: Believe. Stop something to, go else. to bed, Pete. Come on. Uh, what were you saying, Pete? Well, were uh, saying, I was. going oh, I switch We established that. Oh, yes. yes.
3: I wanted to switch gears, and uh, it was funny because when we were talking about uh, mafia stories, uh, you know, growing up in Rochester, uh, oh, the I boy mafia. Let's get into it. They ran a whole like,
0: mob. It was a whole like projection racket. I'm stepping away. I was stepping away from. That's how they got the fucking money for their fucking podcast. The
1: yeah, mob a, man. It's a mob I was, cast. I was That's stepping away them, from the, heroes.
3: The question. I was stepping away from the question for a little bit. That's why I said when I was switching gears. Um, I didn't want to tell the story while we had very important people on, but uh, in Rochester, the east part of Rochester is called East Rochester because it is crazy Italian and, uh, you know, uh, there's a lot of influence. Uh, And growing up, I worked at a golf course that wasn't far from there, and this guy would show up every week with a different car. And he would just pull out this wad uh, and uh, peel me off something. He would call me Little Beatty. He, hey, Little Beatty, take care of me today. <laughs> and, uh, and one time I thought I was going to get whacked because I accidentally forgot the make of his new cadillac and i put it in this other guy's cadillac his golf clubs and uh you know he called the country club and was like well fuck the little baby put my clubs and i was like holy shit and i was running around checking people's cars uh, and i finally found it and i thought i was going to get killed but it was uh it was crazy to kind of see that growing up like these guys could do anything they wanted on the course like they took range balls to the first tee and, like, you know, like just. And a, in golf terms, with,
1: that's a crazy thing. That's a crazy idea. Yeah, not But, you, but you you do like, not it was. And by the way, kind of Pete, I just want part. to mention
0: thank you for not offering up this relevant story during our discussion and instead staying silent for 45 <laughs> minutes.
4: <laughs> well, I didn't
0: want
3: to, you know, they were, you know, they, they don't want to <laughs> fucking hear my story. You know what I mean? Well, it's I, it, like, no, it, of
0: course they do. It was a discussion, man come on! but anyways this, is, this isn't i mob boy am I no right? boy good
1: slam oh, oh alex you're sounding Stop. a lot like the guy pete hates <laughs> <laughs> whose name as whose name as we all know is alex <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh yeah i'm on both podcasts exactly that's great Uh, real quick
1: Derek Mainhauer I would love to read Little Petey Adventures all I could think of was that episode of the Pete television show of him running around being like the mob guy's gonna kill me (laughs) (laughs)
2: Yeah,
0: I I will say just to wrap up this question we like the boy guys we'd be happy to have them on any time what a peacemaker Um, there you go I don't know if Jordan's ever gonna get asked back after that podcast but I guess we'll see
1: wow um,
3: Wait, what does that mean? Jordan. No, for you. I it's love you. Jordan. You were mad. I love you, you were mad. upset at him. Yeah, I was upset because I couldn't have a conversation with him. He was bringing uh, up these ideas, okay. and I was just like, is what the fuck reason. do you mean, Jordan? And Here's what we need to do. We need to have Jordan back on yeah. to continue the
0: discussion for the iFanboy. Yeah, I'm, I'm going
3: to just podcast. be like, okay, Jordan, you brought this up in this podcast, and I want to address yeah. this. Yeah. And well, I'll talk to the
0: iFanboy guys to add one of those boxes uh, at the end of their podcast where it's like, this adventure is continued over in Canada. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you if you like this podcast, you would like to hear more. Yeah, yeah, if and we'll do it on our podcast. Hear... we we'll see. Uh, I fanboy one thirty eight for more.
1: That's a classic. To be continued. Yeah, right
0: there. Uh... Hmm. All right. David Quintley says, <laughs> I'm going to parse through this. Spider-Man, is Guardians the saving grace for the superhero movies? Have not seen
1: yet. Let me say, uh, so... I've been calling myself Spider-Man <laughs> with a lot of folks here. So this is a question for me.
0: <laughs> I, think, I think the question is, is Guardians the saving grace for superhero movies? We've been discussing this a lot. There's a lot of talk about superhero movie fatigue. And is the superhero movie genre over? Is Guardians the saving grace for superhero movies? What do you guys think?
1: Well, uh, it's the second-highest-earning movie of the year behind Super Mario Brothers. good sign. Uh, it feels like a good movie, but I do think to say it's going to save superhero movies is an overstatement because what it is is just a really great Guardians movie, which is, like, a good superhero Marvel movie franchise. So, like, it's not, like, this big audience-expanding movie. If anything, it's just, like, a great successful payoff to the people who've already been watching these and have stuck with it throughout all of the movies.
0: Yeah. uh, I, I agree on that. I think we are in a period. There have been enough misses at this point, at least in the popular opinion, whatever you think about the movies individually, that every movie is going to have to prove itself for a while. And I honestly don't know. Like, I legitimately think, and I know this is a very nihilistic way of looking at it, but I legitimately think Marvel is a place right now where they need to have another 10 years of nonstop hits with all critical acclaim in order for people to be like, okay,
1: great,
3: Marvel is a dominant you did force.
1: Well, and I, that, that's fair. or It's not fair. That- well, that, that's, but I think it's fair. To they have to they, have
3: ten years of hits so they can I'm people
1: get shot up. What, on I'm not talking sense. about
0: how I feel personally. I'm talking about like the popular narrative because what happens is through news reports as well as through how fans interact with anything, there is a narrative created. So the part of the narrative we are in with Marvel right now is it is in its struggle era. So where does Guardians fit in on that?
1: Well, and I think to your point, they need to keep succeeding because the story now isn't about the creative swings they're taking in the movies. It's about success versus failure. It, th- like That's what Marvel movies are like. Was it, did it hit or did it not hit? As opposed to like, was this a really good movie? And so I think that's why the real answer for this question, the saving grace of superhero movies, is Spider-Verse, I think. Spider-Verse mm. has the chance to be like, this movie's such a hit. This type of creative swing is what the future of superhero movies in reinventing or Blue Beetle genre or Blue Blue Beetle maybe, but like and that looks like a good movie. But I still does feel like it's in the box based on the trailer of these other movies, where it's just like a good version of this movie. I haven't seen it yet. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, and we'll see.
0: I saw the Marvels movie trailer a couple of times before Guardians, and that looks very fun as well. So maybe we'll see that these last couple of movies were an aberration, and we'll move forward from there. Who knows? Uh, this is from Derek. What is your favorite genre of porn person? <laughs> I,
3: I would say horror for me. What about you? Yeah, you so, yeah. We we got that. We know. Would you stop repeating P- horror yourself? Porn. Yeah. You yeah. you really into it.
1: I just shout at the screen until they uh do what I uh, am to- asking them to. Oh, Ted Lasso porn? Yeah. Where he's like, exactly.
0: "Hey, Pete." Pete. Hey, I know you're, you're super turned, you turned down to right Turn you on right now Turn this off you watched 30 times, beat. Believe. I just have a- I have believe alex... i'm about to come
1: <laughs> oh my god dude. i just god. have alex forward me whatever he's into <laughs> <laughs> let horrible. me tell your reader it's an <laughs> interesting stuff yeah.
0: here's one that i think is maybe going to be the biggest fight we're gonna have on the podcast tonight this is yes. from nelson kelso big fan of sweet tooth and the podcast just curious which oh, candies no. almost <laughs> made the list, not This show's already oh, running long. Oh my long. God, you get yeah, come this, on, dude. Lady, what, what the fuck? Sure.
3: Let's get into a discussion this was, about this. this These was, assholes were like, ah, I'm sick of candy. I don't fucking like the idea of candy anymore. Let's fucking First off,
1: don't spoil the end of our Candyman podcast. No, it's already fucks. we had a fight about warheads that I couldn't have contemplated <laughs> having with any people in my entire life. <laughs> Pete refused to eat warheads like it was warheads. Eating... Fucking suck. Yeah, it's candy.
3: Oh my god. Yeah,
0: well, uh, yeah. I don't know. I, I think we texted each other a bunch of lists of candies, and ultimately Pete was like, "Only want to eat chocolate for the most part." I wanted. You-, you have strong feelings about candy.
3: Yeah, surprise! Wow. I have strong feelings about things, so yeah, um, I have also have a problem with candy, mm-hmm. and uh, oh, yeah, I so I had, uh, I had some strong opinions about the different kinds of candy, and then these guys weren't into it. They're like, man, I don't know, I don't like it. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it was much. Like
0: Warheads was the biggest fight in season three of the Sweet Tooth podcast, but I think. Mostly it was sending a list, particularly in the second half of the season, and being like, what do you think, Pete? Please don't fight with us. Just choose something so we can move
1: and If I remember correctly, it was Pete sending a list and us being like, we've covered chocolate with caramel and nuts five times. <laughs> it Let's doesn't try matter to shake if it it it's a different
3: like candy it. bar. It's a different
0: uh-huh. candy bar. Yeah. yeah. The, the maple syrup, uh, that's the spoiler for the last episode, is we chug straight maple syrup from the uh, jug
1: if you yes. want to call it that. That was that—that was, that, nice. that was a little it's bit delicious. of a fight,
0: whether it's that's delicious. candy or not. And
3: ultimately, you ended up loving it, Pete. So I did, it's but right. it's not a candy. Yeah.
1: No. Tell your oh, tongue see. that.
3: Uh, Tell your is, tongue that, Pete. I wanted Rolos.
0: This is from Comics with Kids, the Comics Corner Box. Do you think there could be a cowboy comic book revival since shows like Yellowstone are so popular? Ooh, great question. A,
1: yeah, I think that's a great call. call, and I would love that. I would love just some, I mean, you could do it in superhero genre with someone like Jonah Hex, a character that I'm surprised we haven't seen more of in light of Yellowstone. Uh, Someone at DC wants to hit that up. I think we're ready for it. Or things like um, East of West, where Mm. we get sort of like interesting takes on the Western genre, using the Western genre in different ways.
0: Well, the thing that's, uh, I think actually kind of, (laughs) this episode is wild. Uh, The thing that's (laughs) kind of interesting about this actually is you would think, and there certainly have been Western comics, but you think the sort of thing that Yellowstone is, which is soap opera, would lend itself to comics because comics are also essentially soap opera. But I think comics have become more premise-driven, like we were talking to Bendis and Obing about a little bit. Um, so it it they've kind of moved on from that a little bit in a certain way. Um, right. That said, I do think somebody doing like a Jonah Hex thing where... He settles down on a ranch or something like that would do very well. I love General you know? Hex. Yeah. Yeah. And just to shout out a, a recent one, there was the Grootfall issue of Guardians of the Galaxy.
1: Yes, That great was girl.
0: Western. I don't know if that's going to continue with further issues, but if you got a Western hankering, you can check that out.
1: It That issue did feel like it was setting up the next Guardians arc, and the, mm-hmm. that issue, while it is also Western, it is so much Firefly slash Serenity that if you like those books, get it.
0: Uh, this is from Derek Mainhart. Audience question: What are some of your favorite audience questions?
1: <laughs>
0: Great stuff. Oh man. We've had I like checking great... in
1: with Alex's porn habits. Yeah, rag, yeah.
0: There you go. Uh, this is from Prime Energy. Is there an Image or Boom comic you would want next to be adapted for a movie or streaming?
3: Oh, man, yeah. Like any of the Image books. Uh, Image and Boom have been killing it. Uh, they've just been cranking out such... Really creative, amazing stuff, and the art is just absolutely spectacular. So, yeah. One really of the things great. that I've been really
0: loving for Boom that I would love to see as a TV show someday is they have these comics about a character called Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Oh God, they've, they've been, been doing a really good done. job, and it would be really cool as a as a TV show. You so have that. been loving the Buffy reboot I stuff. Been yeah. The
3: Buffy reboot. yeah.
0: But I actually want to say, and I know they are adapting this for TV, um, something is killing the children is the main thing for Boom that I'm like yeah very excited
1: for um let me get that is it nails the um what is the that texas blood shouts uh or sorry rain rain Mm. um the uh the uh joe hill comic the the comic based on the joe hill story
0: yeah yeah that's a good one uh and let's see uh (laughs) Uh, comics with my kids says is it a bad idea to ask about linkedin when asking an audience question
1: (laughs) oh fire deep cut hit it alex you gotta tell the story
0: uh, sure. So the story is we were, do- this back when we were doing the live show. Do we have time one to our, into
1: this? Like, I'll flash- do this
0: short version of this. Oh my God. Uh, we were doing the live this show. The show is and- already so long. And yeah, no, I know, but we're going to go three to four hours for this one. Wow. Uh, the, <laughs> we were doing the live show and somebody stood up and was like, Hey, um, I, I have a question. Why haven't you responded to my request on LinkedIn yet? And it was somebody who had applied to a job, that I was hiring for. who I came think it's to this the... person.
3: I think it's yeah. this person. Oh, my God. It's definitely
0: not. Uh, but it was somebody who applied for a job that I was hiring for who came to the live show to find out why I was not hiring her for a job. But when she wait, how did she frame it up? Because it was definitely like, we all thought I was about to be implicated in some sort of sex
1: scandal or something like that. It was very you... much like Jacques Hughes. <laughs> yeah, she was like,
0: I have something to ask you. It was,
1: I, I think it was something like, why ha- haven't you hired me, Alex? I hit you up on LinkedIn. Like, it was like a very, <laughs> I was, I thought you were going to lose your mind.
0: Yeah. Oh my God. That was the craziest thing ever. And I ended up talking to her after it. And I was like, this is why I don't respond on LinkedIn. And just for, so everybody knows, I don't use LinkedIn. Like I pop it sure there every, don't. all the time. I'm on there, like constantly all day long, but. Anyway, that is it for your audience question. Yeah, thank you. Thank yeah, you, no problem. Audience. We're going to move on to the
3: next section, which is trivia. And for that, we're going to turn it over to Pete LePage. All, right. All right. Well, this is the part we give back to you, the lovely audience. Uh, normally, it's a, a time where uh, we will give someone a gift card to Midtown Comics or Long John Silver's for some reasons. But I thought this could be a fun time where we could donate the money and I could just do a little, a little making fun of Justin for a little bit. You know what I mean? Just some Wait, Justin what? shots. By the you way, real I mean?
0: quick, Derek asked, why haven't you responded on my to my request on Tinder? That's because you haven't
3: sent me any uh, horror report yet,
0: Derek. Ah, right. that's, that's
3: a good yeah. quote. Uh, yeah, so I thought I could uh uh play the part of uh the uh, me doing the trivia and then i could also be justin answering the trivia questions i thought that would be a fun it is far fun... too late in the night for me to understand what you're talking yeah, about but know. take it away all right saying, great so... great great all right so here we go uh, today's trivia is a topical comic news and a small nod to the legend harry belafonte r.i.p pl- r.i.p please listen to all I, three please. options uh before making your selection here we go question number one on June 20th Tom King will come out with this number one DC comic is it a penguin B used to be my venom or C a toe for grace all right we're gonna go to Justin for this one um <sighs> Yo, what's up? I'm J.T. Sizz. I don't know if you can tell by my cool background. I got a Christmas tree and a rake back here. What's <laughs> up? Ah, oh, man, I'm so busy from being out on the road. You know, I'm a line producer most of the day. Uh, I, it, you know, I see what you did there with the Spider-Man ref because I'm a nerd, too. It's A, though, obviously.
0: Wait, uh, I'm sorry. Is is the concept here that you're both doing the trick. I'm sorry,
3: or... what? I'm sorry, I wasn't uh, here for a second. That was uh, J.T. Sizz. Oh talking. Uh, if this is about crazier me, than when Kevin uses a puppet to do Yeah, that. okay, here we go. <laughs> yeah, my the God. other guy misspoke when he said this episode was wild. All right, here we go. Question number two. What is being, Justin, question number two. What is being teased uh, that will happen in the quiet council uh, in the upcoming Immortal X-Men number 12? Is it A, it will erupt in violence, B, it will finally start to deal with the infrastructure issues on this island, or is it C, Adam Driver? All oh, right. Oh, man. Uh, I, first off, I, you know, I love what they're doing. Um, uh, and obviously, it's A, because I'm an island boy! I'm an island boy! Oh, uh, my God. Number three, IDW is coming out with a horror comic on June 14th. Written by whom? Is it A, Steve Niles, B Laura Stop Shaving or C Laura Harrier. <laughs> oh, oh man, oh, I was gonna A, I see what you did there, man. Uh and also the comic is called Burnmore. Uh got you, Pete. Stay away from Wells, kids. Thank you, thank you. Alright. Wait, is it done? <laughs> it's done. It's done. I
1: mean it's not done. It's never done. It's never All done. Right. That piece of paper was real, right there that you held up. I love it.
3: That's great. I uh, did. I Justin stole uh, win? my niece's uh, art uh, supplies to make that uh, background. Uh, oh, shouts
1: wow. to Ramsey Hassan. This is Pete's Joker moment. <laughs> 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 Oh, my gosh.
0: Uh, I'm not quite sure what just happened, but Mm. assuming that I do understand, first of all, who is the... What was the secret movie or TV show you were referencing,
3: Pete? Oh, thank you for asking. I was talking about the 2018 hit Black Klansman. Mm. Oh,
1: nice.
0: And what would you like to donate to, Pete?
1: Oh, I don't...
3: I don't
1: know. I think he means to ask Justin.
3: Yeah, I would say we... We Support the uh, Writers Guild. You know, throw some money they over there.
1: The let Buy some, let's Buy some pizzas for them. Yeah, we, yeah.
3: pi- we could buy two pizzas. Yeah, two, two pizzas or
1: some Long John
0: Silvers. They would love that. Oh, they probably yeah, fish on the line. Fish <laughs> on the line.
1: <laughs> hey, anybody want these fish sticks? These guys bought.
0: <laughs> <laughs> They're loose. They're loose They're fish loose sticks. Fish sticks. You like that, right, writers? And here's the thing: they love it. They don't care. They they got no morals. They're hungry. The writers they don't got any money. They're gonna eat whoa, fish sticks whoa, 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 off the whoa, whoa. floor if they want to. You know what I'm talking about. I work for a studio.
1: Yeah, as we tell.
0: all know, new comic books come out all the time. What are you
3: guys looking forward to that's coming out this week? Uh, I'm looking forward to the Sandman universe, Nightmare Country, The Glass House number two. Wow, wow.
1: Look at you
0: Pete. you've changed. Justin, mm-hmm. what
3: about you? What are you looking forward to? Uh,
1: great question. I mean, shouts to Murder Inc. from our yeah, Murder for uh, sure. on the show. But I also want to shout out a comic. You know, I've been liking. There's uh, two Iron Man books that are coming out tomorrow. Uh, <laughs> they are the Invincible Iron Man number six, six by Jerry Dugan and the, the Dukes, um, the Dukes, and I'm Iron Man number three. I feel like Iron Man uh, is overexposed naturally because of the uh, MCU, but uh, these two books are really putting a nice little package together for Iron Man in the Marvel Universe. Uh, So please check those out. Yeah,
0: I've definitely been enjoying I Am Iron Man in particular, which is telling some fascinating, done in one stories. I'll give a shout out to Miracle Man number five, a book that I've just. Fascinated to check out in terms of the development of it, like we've been talking about. Um, also, this is already out, so I'll give a shout-out to this, but Green Lantern number 1, which is basically like yeah. Top Gun Maverick, but set in the yeah, DC go- Universe. Oh, man, that's what I, I had to so mind. It. I'm it sorry. Well, bit. you might hear very similar things on the Stack Podcast, which will have all of these reviews and many more books Wednesday at 9 a.m. in the Stack feed and also in the Comic Book Club feed. And folks... That is it for this week's show. A couple of people we want to thank. We want to thank Rodney Barnes for coming on Yes. Yeah. Locula, Return legend. Of King. Such a legend. Also, other legends, Brian Michael Bendis and Michael Avon Oving for talking about Dark Horse Comics, Murder, Inc., Jagger Rose, or Jaeger Rose, if you prefer. Definitely check yeah. it out. That's coming out tomorrow. Yeah. Next week on the show, Asa Wheatley is going to be here to talk about Saga of the Shield Maiden, and Jason Copland, Copland maybe, is going to mm-hmm. be here to talk about Zoops. Full Tilt. Also, a bunch of podcasts you can check out. Candyman, as we mentioned earlier. Our Sweet Tooth podcast just finished Season 2. We did an interview with showrunner Jim Nickell. He chose the winner of our Syrup Cup. It was very fun to chat with him again. Sons of a Gun, our DC podcast. We just put up a required reading episode all about All-Star Superman, where we talked about that for an hour. That was very fun. And Marvel Vision, our Marvel podcast. We talk about Guardians of the Galaxy 3, our spoiler review came went up Riverdale after dark our Riverdale podcast is posting weekly patreon.com slash comic book club to support the show and all the shows we do don't forget to subscribe on Apple Android Spotify Stitcher or the app of your choice at comic book live on Twitter comic book club live on Instagram or TikTok comic book club live.com for this podcast and many more until next time good night
1: thanks everybody I gotta put my kids to bed